0: in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Hey, how you doing? My name is Nolan. I am from Past Gas by Donut Media, the internet's number one automotive history show. That's right, we talk car history. And this week, we are talking about a lesser-known underappreciated underrated undermentioned tuning house called tommy kyra if you're deep into the jdm world you know these guys but for those of you who don't tommy kyra is responsible for some of the most understated and just cool tuner cars out there they had a really interesting philosophy on how they built their cars originally one of the founders sold amg and other european sports cars through his dealership in japan and decided to take that same ethos with domestic japanese vehicles and they ended up with some really really cool stuff this is a cool story this was a fun one really just goofy time with james and joe so go check that out tommy Kyra on past gas wherever you get your podcasts follow the show today thank you bye The year is 1964. 33 drivers have just finished their first lap of the Indianapolis 500, including rookie David McDonald. McDonald was driving fast, and when he tried to pass competitor Walt Hansgen, the front end of McDonald's car lifted up. The rookie driver lost control and crashed into the inside wall where his gas tank exploded on impact. Several cars were damaged, and the remaining drivers were blinded by smoke and fire. For the first time in its history, the Indianapolis 500 was stopped because of an accident. Onlookers were horrified, including a quiet young driver from Michigan who happened to be sitting in the fourth turn infield bleachers, a witness to the fiery accident. Although he had already made a name for himself in the world of sprint car racing, he would enter his first of many Indy 500s the very next year, sometimes winning, sometimes losing, but always within an inch of tragedy. How did Gordon Johncock achieve his status as a legend at the Indy 500? What caused him to shy away from the limelight? And what made Johncock racing's unluckiest winner? Today on Past Gas, the story of Gordon Johncock.
2: Past Gas Podcast, it's about cars, it's not about ports! I think we should try and put our mature hats on today. Yes, <laughs> yes. This is going to be a tough one, guys. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of low hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think we should just put our blinders on. Yeah. Stay the course and power through this junk. You just
3: did an interview with the Atlantic, so you're like you're
2: on another level right now. Yeah.
3: That's another level of journalism that we can strive to be.
2: I talked to a journalist today. Yeah. And I will keep my eye out for opportunities for us to elevate ourselves yeah. okay. and also instances in which we might not be living up to that journalistic quality right nice. I think that's an yeah. awesome
1: Straight. mindset to have for this episode yeah about Jordan the story God of God. God. Gordon John Cock. <laughs> Gordon John
3: <Cock. laughs> Jordan Godcock <laughs> Gordon Johncock
1: okay. is the man's name <laughs> yes and it's, it's not okay funny. it's not funny it's not funny
3: you know you know who's really good at PR by the way who ludicrous Oh yeah Ludicrous. that was like a master class in how to be yes. you know like promote something and be like on Joe is
1: referring uh to the fast and furious fast 10 trailer takeover trailer reveal party that we went to last night we
2: went to a premiere for a trailer last night <laughs> yeah
1: it was pretty pretty interesting but yeah Ludacris, very uh a pro hes a, such a pro, pro yeah speaking of names. My name is Nolan Sykes. Welcome to the show. <laughs> nice transition. Thanks, dude. Uh, joined, as always, by my co-hosts. Well, not as always, because we've we've all missed episodes. For sure. You missed I've, I've last missed all, week yeah. and the week before, and
2: dude, we missed you. No. <laughs> well, I'm glad, glad to be back. Thank you. Uh, James, hello. Hot off the presses. That's what us journalists say. <laughs> yes,
1: it is. And uh, also Joe Weber. What's up, man? Fired up. Fired up. I haven't mm-hmm. done that one in no. one. No. Bow it to bow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, today we're talking about a guy a lot of you might not be familiar with, but he's been in a lot of our stories as a tertiary character. But today he's getting his
3: due, Gordon Johncock. Gordon Johncock. He's a, like a spin off character. Yes. But he's not a spin-out character because he's pretty good at racing. <laughs> he's
2: Frasier. He's, yeah. Fraser. He's like Fraser of race cars. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Niles, <laughs> you don't know what to do with those salads and eggs. <laughs> Crambled eggs. Crambled eggs. <laughs> Cramble.
1: <laughs> Cramble. Family. All right. You <laughs> ran out of well, breath like immediately.
2: <laughs> <laughs> before, before we get breath into Breath control is something I'm working on. It's hard. <laughs> I'm I'm pr- practicing rap god in the mirror every, every morning to Some work la- on <laughs> la- <laughs> <Feminine. laughs>
1: At that party last night, we had to watch... We watched, like, a trailer for every <laughs> single
2: Fast and Furious movie
1: in between the cast members that came out, including Ludacris, the aforementioned Ludacris. But, man, when Vin Diesel finally came out, oh, the, wow. the energy uh, in the room, it was electric. Palpable. And when I say... You said, can cut that energy with a knife. Yeah. Not even a sharp one. Not even a sharp one. Like, butter. Yeah. It's like a nice grip. But when I say that... Vin Diesel put sauce on the word family. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, dude. He slathered it in that. Yeah. He, dude, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he, totally. He, he sauced up that word family. He didn't bring any sleeves. <laughs> he, <didn't, laughs> no. he had no sleeves yeah. on. Uh Sunglasses as well. It was great. Yeah, he delivered. Gordon
1: Johncock was born in 1936 in the small town of Hastings, Michigan, far from the world of high-speed racing. In fact, he spent his youth working on his family farm. When Gordon was just 16, his parents divorced. His mother got Gordon and the farm, but his father was given all the farm equipment, so Gordon dropped out of school
3: to help his mother. That's pretty petty. You can have the farm, but I'm taking all the tractors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it sounds
1: like a country song. Um, <laughs> It wasn't until Gordon turned 18 that he got his first taste for speed. His cousin had built a modified car and allowed Gordon to test it at the local dirt track. So I'm going to guess it's actually like a modified, a dirt modified. Oh, yeah. This is where Gordon quickly realized he had a natural talent for racing. He spent the next 10 years racing modifieds at Berlin Raceway in Southern Michigan. On October 20th, 1963, the first annual 100-lap national championship race took place at Williams Grove Speedway in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. What a name, dude. Aptly located. (laughs) The race, which would later become known as the biggest race in the East, saw 27-year-old Gordon drive a 427 cubic inch Chevy. Heck yeah, dude. After qualifying 14th out of 36 cars, Gordon eventually worked his way through the field to second place. By the 33rd lap, Gordon was able to pull ahead and stay there, turning in many 25.3-second laps. He's consistent, and he's fast. Yeah. It's two qualities you want. He won the <laughs> race ahead of fellow racer Dick Good. Come
2: on. <laughs> Come, that's not funny. That's not funny to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> John Cock had defeated Dick, Dick Good. Good. <laughs> that's not funny to me. No. <laughs> I'm not imagining him being in school and having roll call where they reverse your first and last name. (laughs) I don't think it's funny that a teacher would say good. (laughs) That's not funny to me Mm -hmm. at all. No, because I'm mature. Yeah, Yeah. it's really mature of you to not address it, it at all.
3: Thank you. Gordon soon moved on to racing sprint cars.
1: In 1964, Gordon made his United States Auto Club, or USAC, debut.
2: That's not funny to me either.
1: <laughs> While he didn't win any races that first year, he did set a half-mile lap record of 17.51 seconds in Winchester, Indiana, a record that surpassed one set by A.J. Foyt in oh.
3: 1962.
2: We, we just talked did an episode of A.J. Foyt. Yeah, were you here for that or no? no I was not. No, uh, you
3: weren't. Yeah, of course you weren't. I don't know.
2: Of course you weren't. You were, you were doing racing of your own. That's right.
3: Yeah. In the 24 hours of Lemons?
1: Of Lemons, that's right. Nice. Yeah. Shouts to Birmingham, Whoa. Alabama. Shouts out. Barber, great track. Uh, in 1965, 29-year-old Gordon scored his first USAC victory, beating out A.J. Foyt in the Tony Bettenhausen 200 at the Milwaukee Mile. Hey. Joe, you ever been to the Milwaukee Mile? Uh, I driven mile? past
3: it for sure. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That same year,
1: Gordon made his Indy 500 debut alongside other illustrious rookies like Mario Andretti and Al Unser. For the race, Gordon's sponsors at Weinberger Racing hooked him up with a Watson-Offenhauser front-engine roadster.
3: It's too bad that you haven't seen Al Unser in his underpants because you could call him Unser pants next time you saw him.
1: (laughs) This was only one of six front-engine roadsters on the track, as the other 27 drivers opted for mid-engine vehicles. Gordon had a good first showing. He qualified 14th and finished in fifth, only two spots behind Rookie of the Year Mario Andretti and four ahead of Al Unser. And looking back, Gordon said that the Roadster was his favorite he ever drove at Indy.
2: Quote, Everything just went well, don't you know? We were steady all day long with it. (laughs) That's such a Michigan quote. We were steady all day long with it. In 1966, Gordon was
1: back in Indianapolis and determined to win. However, on the very first lap... Canadian driver Billy Foster, out of either necessity or in a misguided move, attempted to squeeze his Offenhauser-powered car into the space between Gordon and the track's outside wall. The space suddenly disappeared, and Foster's car lost two of its wheels, something that led to a 16-car pileup. Dang. Fortunately, though, Joe, no one was seriously injured, but the race was stopped for an hour and 24 minutes, so officials cleared track. (laughs) Despite being right at the scene of the accident, Gordon was only one of 22 cars that got to race that day. Even though Gordon ended the race three minutes behind the leaders, he placed fourth, and even drove the 500 miles faster than official winner
2: Graham Hill. In 1967, 30-year-old Gordon faced a massive setback when his sponsors pulled out. That's not funny to me. Due to financial issues and a string of losses where the driver went winless in nine out of 16 races. So, despite his reputation as a good driver, Gordon wasn't getting the results his sponsors needed to continue. Not to be deterred, Gordon founded the Gilmore Racing Team with sponsorship from the former mayor of Kalamazoo. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. And radio and TV broadcast entrepreneur, Jim Gilmore. Ah, Jim Gilmore. Gilmore provided him with a Gerhardt Offenhauser race car. Offenhauser. Very prevalent. The formation of the team made Gordon one of only two owner drivers in IndyCar at the time, alongside rival, our old friend, A.J. Foyt. Gordon was the sole driver of the Gilmore Racing Team, and he won six races between 1967 and 1969. That's not funny to me. Unfortunately, (laughs) Gordon crashed the Gilmore entry in the 1967 Indy 500 about halfway through and didn't finish any of the Indies in that time period. Oh, no. Despite Gordon's early wins, Gilmore Racing was dissolved at the end of the 1970 season, though Gordon and Gilmore would remain on good terms. Jim Gilmore would go on to team up with AJ Foyt to form Gilmore Foyt Racing, based on Gordon's recommendation to AJ after the driver lost his Sheraton Thompson sponsorship. In 1971, Gordon raced in the Indy 500 in a used McLaren. However, things got chaotic around lap 11 when driver Steve Chrysoloff of STP Gas Treatment blew his engine and spilled oil all over the track. This caused competitor Mel Kenyon to skid through the oil and crash into the Turn 3 wall. Mel Kenyon, by the way, nickname was King of the Midgets for his uh,
1: midget racing prowess.
2: Around the turn came barreling Gordon Johncock and Mario Andretti, who I've seen in his underpants. Gordon ended up driving right over Kenyon's car before crashing himself. Right over? Right over it. Ooh. Andretti tried to swerve away, but clipped Gordon before spinning out. All four racers were knocked out of the race. But luckily, the only injury was a gash, not funny to me, on Kenyon's (laughs) leg and a tire mark (laughs) on his helmet. Dang. I
3: think I remember this from the uh, Mario Andretti story. Imagine having a tire mark on your helmet. That'd be like so sick. It'd be cool
2: to have <laughs> on your wall. I yeah. had
3: I had a gym teacher in high school that uh, was a wild teen, and he was messing <laughs> around <laughs> with his friends and drinking. You shouldn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he to, he he was like, I'll get to it. He, he was. He shouldn't your have. Age. T-
2: they he shouldn't have told you guys that. As that your he students. was a
3: wild teen. Yeah. No, but there was a lesson behind it. Okay. So he was, you know, drinking with his friends, underage drinking bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, And they're messing around with their cars. And then somehow he fell under the tire and it rolled over. The front tire rolled over his chest and he was miraculously fine. And he had a, you know, a tire tread on his chest. And that's when he became uh, born again. And that's why he he wanted us to become born again.
2: Oh, (laughs) He had a tire mark on his chest. Did you ever see it? That you could see?
3: Um, he had the shirt still. I don't think he ever brought it in, but it was, yeah, oh, a tire tread on his shirt. Gotcha. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Overall, the early 1970s proved to be a troubling time for Gordon. He failed to win any races from 1970 to 1972. The racing team that was his namesake was shut down, and he failed to even compete in the next two Indy 500s. Gordon was also going through a horrible divorce. Mm. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> and he ended up in bankruptcy court. Yeesh. Yeesh. Thanks to a small sawmill he purchased when he was 24. <laughs> That really came back to <laughs> <Yeah. end. laughs> my project
3: sawmill. <laughs>
2: it's not running yet, but it will. Uh, he employed 35 workers and racked up debt equaling $369,000. Back then, a good that's investment. A bunch of money. Huh?
1: That is a lot of money.
2: 35 workers for a sawmill? A small sawmill? That sounds like a pretty big sawmill to me. Or I've watched you're enough Twin
1: Peaks to know that a small sawmill is... Uh that's a tough business. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know, tough business to be in. So honest. many splinters. The splinters alone. Yeah.
1: We'll get back to more past guests. But right now, a word from our sponsors.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find
1: The 1973 Indy 500 is a race everyone wishes they could forget.
3: Yeah, I, know. I, I feel I can't forget it. I wake up at night. <laughs> the event was rained
1: out for six days, and combined with new racing technology like turbochargers and bolt-on wings set to increase speeds, it was the perfect storm for a tragedy. But before the weekend started, there were hopes that the 200-mile-per-hour barrier would finally be broken. In fact, Gordon himself recorded an unofficial lap at 199.4 miles per hour during a test in March. However, excitement for these record-breaking speeds quickly turned to concerns over driver's safety, especially after an accident in qualifying, left one driver, Art Pollard, dead. With clouds literally and figuratively hanging over race day, Gordon was still ready to give it his all after qualifying in 11th place. On the day of the race, May 28th, there was a four-hour rain delay. When the race finally did start, a crash occurred on the front straight near immediately. Driver David Salt Walter, driving for Dayton Walter, spun out and flipped into the catch fence, showering sections of the crowd with burning fuel. (sighs) More than a dozen spectators were injured, some critically, but all of them survived, thankfully. As for Walter himself, though he was seriously injured, he eventually recovered and raced again. In the wake of the accident, the race was red flagged, and with rain continuing to fall, The restart was pushed to the following day. But the rain continued the next day and the day after that, and the race was cheekily referred to as the 72 Hours of Indianapolis. Finally, on May 30th, the skies cleared enough to race. However, only a fraction of the typical Indy crowd showed up. People had to work. So hundreds of school kids and their parents were bussed in to fill the grandstands for free. Oh, no. Gordon started in 11th, and things were running smoothly until lap 59 when his teammate, Swede Savage, spun off the track at Turn 4.
3: That's an insanely cool name.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, Savage hit the inside wall with such force that his car exploded. Savage was taken to the hospital with third-degree burns, but was in stable condition. However, he passed away a little over a month later as a result of complications from his injuries. To add to this tragedy, a pit member of the team, Armand de Terran, was running to the scene of the accident when he was struck and killed by a fire engine racing to extinguish the flames. Armando was only 22.
3: And just like hundreds of school children are watching this. I know.
1: (laughs) Horrifyingly, the Indy 500 would start up again after a brief delay. Parnelli Jones Racing Al Unser led the race until lap 75 when his engine blew, which gave Gordon the lead. He stayed ahead until lap 133, where it once again started to rain. Officials finally called the race for good and declared Gordon Johncock the winner of the shortest Indy 500 on record. Only 10 drivers finished the race.
3: That's not a race you want to be known for. No. Even though it was Gordon's first
1: Indy 500 win, there wasn't much to celebrate. His teammate was in the hospital. Another driver had died days earlier, and spectators in the grandstands, many of them children, had seen Armando Tehran's horrifying death. As Gordon received his trophy at Victory Lane, most of the spectators had already gone home. And the traditional celebratory dinner... That had been canceled earlier that day. So, Gordon and his crew chief celebrated their victory with cheeseburgers and fries from the fast food joint called Burger Chef. Pretty uninspired name.
3: But, like, after that, like, you don't want to go to a fancy dinner.
1: No, no, that'd be in poor taste.
2: Oddly enough, I think I've watched a YouTube video on Burger Chef.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The aftermath of the event was brutal. Two days after the race, Gordon's team owner, Andy Granatelli, Declared that he would withdraw from USAC Racing unless major changes were made. USAC took his and many others' threats seriously. A week later, the organization held an unscheduled meeting where they revised many of their safety regulations and rules. In addition to this lackluster win, Gordon had issues collecting his winnings. Although his share of the purse was $90,000, it was withheld by a federal bankruptcy lawyer since the driver was in the middle of a divorce from his second wife, plus, there was the previously mentioned bankruptcy case. Most of his winnings were eventually divided among his creditors and his ex-wife and five children. Oh, my God. When asked about his feelings of his 1973 Indy 500 win, Gordon Johncock said, quote, That May
2: was one of the worst months of my life. (laughs) I don't blame him. Yikes, Gordo. (laughs) Gordon would return to the Indy 500 for the next several years, driving for the Patrick Racing Team in his signature number 20. Although he had technically won the race before, he wanted to win it on his own terms by completing all 200 laps. In 1974, Gordon returned to a much calmer race than the year before. Thank God. (laughs) But Team McLaren's Johnny Rutherford was the winner that year in his first of three Indy 500s. Gordon took fourth the next few years weren't great either in 1975 Gordon started in the middle of the grid but one of the gears broke and he was forced to retire on lap 11 in 1976 Gordon took the lead in lap 18 and remained there for 20 laps but by lap 50 he fell to third with Johnny Rutherford in first and AJ Foyt driving for Gordon's former sponsor Jim Gilmore in second Gordon placed third when the race was called at the halfway point due to rain and Rutherford was declared the winner Although the race was even shorter than the 1973 Indy, spirits were understandably a lot higher, and the press and media excitedly surrounded Rutherford as he walked to victory lane.
3: Oh, so Johnny gets a ticker tape parade, but yeah. uh, a Godcock gets a cheeseburger <laughs> and some alimony payments.
2: <laughs> Indy 500s aside, Gordon was a consistent winner. the Patrick Racing Team, with wins at 13 races over the next decade. In 1976, after a very successful year where he placed in the top five of every race except one, Gordon won his first USAC National Championship and just barely edged out Johnny Rutherford, not funny to me, much to the (laughs) chagrin of motor racing (laughs) publicists. The press loved Rutherford almost as much as they were annoyed by Gordon. Rutherford had a talent that Gordon did not. He was smooth with the public and described as an ambassador for the sport. Meanwhile, Gordon would hurry back to his farm in Michigan as soon as the race was over, finding the limelight stressful. Gotta get those cabbages in before the winter, before the (laughs) frost gets (laughs) them. Gordon John Gordon John The truth is, Gordon was embarrassed by the attention and didn't tend to talk much. According to his friends, the reason Gordon had so little to say is that he was afraid he'd say the wrong thing. This guy sounds like that character from The Simpsons, like Gil. (laughs) Old Gil. Old Gil. (laughs) Just like, what a tragic guy. Do you know who that's based off of? Gordon Johncock? No. Uh... (laughs) And like we're adding to it now. He's going to like, maybe he's like a big fan of this podcast. He's going to hear it and he's going to be like, oh, I am pretty sad, aren't I? <laughs> oh my God. I'm sure he's doing fine now. I'm sure. But Old Gill was
3: based off of Jack Lemon and Glengarry, Glenn Ross. Oh. The guy who can't make a sale, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have the good leads. Yeah. Coffee is for closers. That's you a bitch. reference that
2: you guys get. <laughs> <laughs> we have an older audience for our. I like Old yeah. Gill. In 1977, Gordon returned to Indianapolis once again in the hopes of winning another Indy 500. After taking the lead early on, Gordon dominated the second half, leading for 83 straight laps. It was between himself and A.J. Foyt for the entire race, but on lap 184, Gordon's engine blew, taking him out with just 16 laps remaining. While Foyt went on to win the race, Gordon climbed into the infield creek to <laughs> I just picture him just, like, walking in all of his clothes slowly (laughs) into the lake. (laughs) According to an anonymous fan quoted in a Sports Illustrated article about the racer, there was something so endearing about him. The poor fellow had come so close to winning, and there he was standing in the creek (laughs) in the infield to cool off. He just looked so forlorn. I could see myself
1: doing that, too.
2: I could see you doing it. Yeah. (laughs) I could do, I would do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, like, it's definitely, like, uh, in Rushmore, Mm -hmm. during, like, the Bill Murray's kid's birthday party, and he just, like, jumps into the bottom of the pool.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Staying there a little too long. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's a quote from this day in 1977 where this woman is like, yeah, he looked really bummed. Yeah.
1: That's such a weird movie trope, uh, where people just like hang out in bodies of water and, like, I'm going to drown myself right now. Yeah. You
2: know? I mean, yeah, I think it's like a very easy symbol. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. It's cool looking. I guess it's
1: not supposed to be taken literally.
2: No, it's not. I mean, it's like, oh, I feel yeah, like I'm drowning. Mm hmm. Gordon Johncock would go on to place in the top 10 at the Indy 500 from 1978 to 1981. Ever the underdog, people were perpetually rooting for him, but only half-heartedly because they knew that to wish too hard for Gordon to succeed was an exercise in frustration. But Gordon was set on changing that. Cue Montage. Get <laughs> a train with my hand and my foot and a <laughs> train with my hand and my foot. And
1: <laughs> May nineteen eighty two, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Gordon was back and he wanted another win. At forty five, with twenty seven years of racing and only twenty one IndyCar victories, Gordon wanted this win badly.
3: That's not too bad.
1: Nah. <laughs> he knew he had what it took to finally win the full Indy, which is what they call a nude photo of Harrison Ford. <laughs> That's
3: not funny. That's not funny. That's not funny. Nolan, it's we're what? trying to be above
2: that. I know. Uh, dude, journalists don't say crap like that. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, you're right. Journalists don't say crap. Oh.
1: Unfortunately, the 1982 Indy 500 echoed the chaos of his last win in 1973. On May 15th, during an attempt to qualify for the race, driver Gordon Smiley crashed into a concrete wall, going nearly 200 miles per hour. He died instantly, making his death the first at Indy since 1973, the year that Gordon won. Two weeks later, the Indy 500 was set to go on. As the drivers approached the starting line to begin the race, Kevin Cogan, a driver for Team Penske, suddenly swerved into A.J. Foyt's car, bouncing off him and T-boning Gordon's Patrick Racing teammate, Mario Andretti. Cogan's accident took out four drivers, Andretti, Roger Mears, Dale Whittington, and Cogan himself, all before the race oh had even god, started. Oh my god,
3: what a dumb...
1: What a dumb indeed, Joe. After a brief hiatus, the track was cleared, and the race was set to begin for a second time, now with only 29 cars. A.J. Foyt led 32 laps before a failed transmission took him out. And from there, Team Penske's Rick Mears took the lead and dominated the first half. For the first 155 laps, Gordon's STP Wildcat Cosworth hadn't handled well at all. He had to wrestle it every mile of the way, but still managed to stay in contention. At one point, Rick Mears had almost lapped him, but... Gordon wouldn't give up. He and his pit crew made the necessary adjustments, and by lap 159, Gordon was the fastest car out there and took the lead from Mears. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Gordon,
2: bet you're not looking too forlorn now.
1: By lap 198, Gordon... You
2: don't look forlorn at all, Gordon! Go, Gordon!
1: (laughs) By lap 198, Gordon's lead was less than one second. With one lap to go, Mears pulled alongside Gordon as they raced down the main stretch. Mears made one final attempt to pass Gordon out of turn four, but it wasn't enough. Gordon beat Mears by only .16 seconds. Whoa. Yeah. The closest finish in Indy 500 history at the time, uh, number five today. So there's four finishes closer Whoa. Than that.
3: There's wow. only so many numbers you can get yeah. if, that are smaller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, four. <laughs> I'm talking about like milliseconds. Uh,
1: okay. Gordon Johncock wanted to win the Indy 500 the right way, and he did just that. With four cars in the field, clearly faster than his, the odds were against him. But he beat them, and rarely has there been a more popular victory. To quote the June 1982 Sports Illustrated... John Cock had paid for it with a
2: career full of ill fortune. They'll <laughs> no longer remember Gordon John Cock as the man who won the wrong 500. They'll remember him as the underdog who held off the fastest car in Brickyard history and in the end gave us the most marvelous finish in all those 66 years.
1: Sadly, though, Gordon's celebration was cut short. Gosh. The day, what? The
3: day <laughs> what? after. The what do you want? <laughs> yeah. It was That's his second impression. sawmill that was going under <laughs> <laughs> at this point. And
2: he's now getting divorced to his third and fourth tween wives. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the day after he finally won the Indy 500 the right way, Gordon's mother passed away after a lengthy illness. Oh,
3: now I feel bad.
1: Gordon learned of her passing at the 500 victory banquet on Monday night while this, while on stage for his celebration.
3: Dude, let him have his moment before, like, let him go <laughs> like, backstage before you tell we'll him. We'll tell him later. Yeah. Let no, I gotta him. go right well, now. I'm gonna go tell him right now. I'm He's gonna take enough.
2: the milk out of his hands. And <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Give me Gordon, you probably don't want to drink this milk. Your mama died. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you should have never opened that breaking mirrors operation. <laughs> I shouldn't have stepped on that crack It broke my mama's back. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. Gordon would go on to win again just two weeks later in Milwaukee. Hey, Joe. Hey, oh, shout out to Cuckoo Cal. (laughs) Yep. And then again at the Michigan 500, which gave him two legs of the 500-mile triple crown. However, he came up short at Pocono, dropping out with gearbox issues just seven laps from the finish line. The next couple years were hard for Gordon and his racing career. After winning the opening round of the 1983 IndyCar World Series in Atlanta, Gordon suffered a season-ending injury while racing in Michigan. However, 1985 looked promising. He's been racing for a long time now. Yeah, man. How long do people race now? Probably 20 years if you're good. Years. Yeah, he, yeah. He's about. if like you're good.
1: Yeah. NASCAR drivers. Tend to stay longer, mm-hmm. IndyCar and obviously F1 is a lot shorter. Um, I think it depends on the series, but and but the like, luck
3: too. Like, yeah. if you don't get in any seri- like right. serious also, crashes,
1: I would say like 20, 25, 30 years. On, I wow. think because, like, obviously you'll hit your zenith, but yeah. then after that, you usually will you do go the down smaller the, series smaller or series. like the fun races, yeah.
3: Like, like, Carlos Sainz Sr. still Yeah, races. he's still ripping. He's in his yeah. 50s or 60s.
1: Yeah,
2: but not at, like, the peak. No. He's doing that for fun at this point, right? Well, I mean, he is.
1: I mean, when he's going at, like, Dakar, he's still, like, trying to win. Yeah. yeah. But he's not doing, like, rally racing. Right. Yeah. I
2: don't know. But, like, that, like that's, like, a second career, though. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's not a lot of Nolan
1: Ryans. hmm
2: I mean, 20 years sounds way longer than I want (laughs) to (laughs) work. I've been doing this for seven. I was hoping I got like three more. (laughs) Well, if you're in the military, you could have retired by now. That's right. However, 1985 looked promising. Gordon returned for Indy 500 practice and looked like he could win it all over again. He lapped the speedway at nearly 211 miles per hour, which is faster than the official track record. Dang. Wow. 211. 211. 2.11. But on May 10th, 1985, Gordon told the team's owner, Pat Patrick, which is a very funny name. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) That he was retiring from racing after 30 years. Patrick thought he was joking at first, saying, I was shocked, but I told him I was happy for him. As long as he wanted to drive, I would have a car ready for him, but if there was ever the slightest hesitancy about driving, I wouldn't want him in a race car. At a press conference that day, Gordon explained how difficult the decision was for him to make. I made my decision that morning, don't you know? <laughs> I, made, <laughs> I made my decision that morning, don't you know? Not last night, not yesterday, not last Monday, not any other day, this this morning. I wasn't even sure when I drove off this morning for the track. Every time I stopped for the traffic like, don't you know, my thoughts changed. At one light. I said to myself, maybe I shouldn't do it. Then, at the next light, I would think, you've got to. It's no fun anymore. Gordon retired to his ranch in Arizona, and he never raced again. JK. Nah. These guys can't hang up the gloves. Yeah. No. In 1987, Gordon briefly came out of retirement when he joined the Hemelgarn Bird Racing Team. However, he only raced twice in 1988 and three times in 1989. Shouts to Taylor Swift with no wins. In 1991, he returned to Indy after barely qualifying in 33rd place. But on the day of the race, despite suffering flu-like symptoms, the 55-year-old driver ended the race in sixth, surprising everyone. Wow. Good job. That's crazy. Yeah. With flu the game, flu? dude. Yeah, dude. Jordan's flu game. Gordon's Jordan, flu game. Two, oh, yeah. Who's Jordan. Flu game? Gordon's flu game? <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's sick. It's like a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Gordon Johncock raced his final Indy in 1992, where on lap 60, he was forced to retire after blowing up the engine. You
3: know, going back to our uh, discussion earlier about, like, the longevity of racers, I think it's one of the only sports, like, maybe outside of, like, golf because it's low impact. You're sitting down. It's really just, like, your reaction time that can set you apart. Sure. And your yeah. instincts and stuff. Your instincts never wane. Mm-hmm. Your reaction time slowly gets worse, but mm-hmm. like it's not it's kind of negligible. So you can still remain mm-hmm. like competitive. Yeah, even barring up until any 40, sort of like injury.
1: Yeah. Fitness obviously is like another thing. Like yeah. Yeah. you gotta be fit to do yeah.
2: hundreds of laps at two hundred miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like you're it's probably pretty like not pretty easy, but easier than say basketball sure. on your joint, oh, totally. on yeah. your yeah, joint, totally, totally, on your body, totally.
3: It's it doesn't have to be an impact sport. Yeah, really,
2: ideally you're trying not to make it an impact. Yeah, sport. yeah.
1: After retiring from racing for a second time, Gordon Johncock distanced himself from the world of motorsports. I feel
2: like every race car driver has to retire at least twice. Yes. Yeah. Being the quiet,
1: shy farm boy that he is, he didn't like signing autographs or doing interviews. In 2011, the 100th anniversary of the Indy 500, Gordon chose not to attend, saying, quote, I've never been a person who wanted to be out in public and make appearances. I don't like that stuff. Although Gordon retired from racing, that doesn't mean he decided to retire in general.
2: Or as he put, quote, Racing was a job I used to have. Now I have a different job. Well well put. <laughs> in, 1999, he's in 1999, he played bass for Limp Biscuit at Woodstock 99. <laughs>
1: he played for the White Sox. Uh, in 1999, he sold his beef cattle ranch. In 2009, he purchased Quigley Lumber. And in 2012, Gordon started a mulch business under the name Gordon Johncock Landscape Supply. In 2018, Gordon combined his lumber and mulch businesses <laughs> under a singular name, Johncock Forestry Products Incorporated. Yeah,
3: why weren't they merged in the first place? <laughs> yeah, That's it seems like, like pretty obvious. Yeah, you you make
2: lumber and you end up with mulch. Yeah. He's like showing people like like uh, his girlfriend's family comes into town. He's driving them around, showing yeah. them like the town. It's like, yeah. here's my uh, lumber business. Yeah, There's this thing. Here's my mulch business. And then her dad's like. Why don't you combine them? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, <laughs> I probably should.
3: <laughs> Gordon, have you combined your businesses yet? <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> Gordon runs his, runs Johncock Forestry Products with his business partner and third wife, Sue Johncock, who he married in 1990. Together, they like to play rummy and birdwatch in the woods of Michigan.
2: Nice. Nice. Congrats, Gordon. Gordon Johncock wasn't the smoothest talker or flashiest driver. He wasn't the most charismatic or intimidating. But what Gordon wasn't doesn't even compare to what he was. Gordon Johncock was a force of nature when he was behind the wheel. He wasn't always a winner, but he was always a contender who kept coming back for more. But Gordon doesn't live in his glory days because, in a way, he'd like to forget them. In an era when driving cars for a living was incredibly dangerous, Gordon Johncock walked away with his health on his own terms. And now he gets to birdwatch with his wife. We should all be so lucky. Yeah. Dude, I would love to birdwatch with my wife. I got to get some binoculars and a wife. Yeah. <laughs>
3: oh, look at that titmouse over there. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm glad that it, it all turned around. It seems like he had like a real tough life. And I think Gordon Johncock is... A testament to like pulling through, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think, dude, you got sixth place at 55 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I think it's easy to get. With the flu, right? With the flu. Yeah. It's easy to get down on ourselves and get tired of it all, but you just keep going and keep trudging. And then eventually you get to have a lumber slash (laughs) mulch business and you get to hang out with your wife in the place that you want to be. Yeah. Um, Do
3: you think... John Cock went down on himself? No. No. He, That's well, not funny to me. kept his chin high. <laughs> he
2: kept his chin high. We got some fan mail <laughs> from Kevin. Hey, guys. My name's Kevin from San Diego, and I'm a huge fan of past gas and all things Donut Media. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Your videos definitely helped me through some dark COVID times, so thank you for all you do, and keep up the great work. Thanks, man. man. Thanks, man. That means a lot. Appreciate Uh, it. Yeah.
3: Uh Uh-oh, I see a big butt coming.
2: But. But, And it's not just on my butt. (laughs) (laughs) But I noticed recently when listening to your Penske episode that James made an error that I cannot let slide. Oh, shoot. James stated at the end of the episode that America invented basketball, (laughs) and while it was invented in America, it was actually invented by a Canadian. Oh, Dang. Uh,
3: uh well a Canadian in American I borders I said in
2: America I didn't yeah. say by Americans may I probably did actually <laughs> 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 as a fan of all things from the Great White North I would like him to recognize this error and since we're on the subject of Canada maybe an episode where you do a deeper dive into Bricklin uh, and the SV1 that that's sounds, yeah, yeah that's episode. a good one that's a great idea. It is definitely a Canadian dream car of mine. Nice. Thanks for keeping me company on my long commute and keep up the great work. Eh? He wrote the A, just uh, to be clear. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, I apologize to all Canadians <laughs> and all basketball fans in general. <laughs> I apologize to my co-hosts, my producers, um, the writers. Uh, I will do my best to not let this happen again. Better not. It was originally a muskox leather ball
3: (laughs) and a curd curd hoop. (laughs) My Canadian
1: dream car is a wide-body Hellcat. Nice. I knew you were going to say that. Built in Canada. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening to Past Gas and the story of Gordon Jonkak follow the show follow Donut Media on all social media subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already for some reason follow James at James Pumphrey follow Joe at Joe G Weber follow me at Nolan J Sykes
2: we make shirts go to donutmedia.com get your, and get yourself one get a shirt man get a shirt uh, I think we did a really good job being mature journalists we sure did big thank
1: you to our producer Christina Felsky and producer Gavin Kinzel
3: and big shout out to our writer Jeff Murdoch Jeff Murdoch cool Murdock. last name
1: alright Bye. John talk! <laughs>